This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Inside this stable filled with hay Why her? She's just an ordinary girl Now I'm not one to second guess What angels have to say This is such a strange way To save the world Think of how we could obey if Jesus had come as he deserved. Drink of Bethlehem, no lowly shepherds at his birth. But Joseph knew the reason. Love had to reach so far And as he held the Savior in his arms He must have said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why him? Inside this stable filled with hay Why her? She's just an ordinary girl Now I'm not one to second guess What angels have to say This is such a strange way To save the world Now I'm not one to second guess What angels have to say This is such a strange way to save the world This is such a strange way Oh, a strange way Ooh, a strange way To 
morning, and it's good to see you all at church this morning. And uh, thank you, Tim, for that song. It is a good reminder that God uses the most ordinary people to do everything that he does. It's amazing. Um, thank you, Pastor Joe, for that introduction. Um, a lot of you do know who I am, and some of you are pretty close friends with me. Um, but some of you may have not heard about me too much. Uh, my name is Larry Doyle. And my wife, Christy, and then we have three boys. Uh, they're in kids' church right now, but Lawrence is the oldest, and then Amaziah, and Jacob is the littlest. And we do Bible translation in Papua New Guinea. Um, these last four years, the last four-year term that we were in PNG, I was focused on administration. Um, we have a lot of Bible translation going on there in the country, and somebody has to look after the people. And... Um, I also continued to work with the Solos translation program that we started during our, our first term out on Buka Island, and uh, Christy keeps herself busy by homeschooling our boys and volunteering at the clinic and doing other things. This morning, I want to talk with you from the book of Philippians. I'm not going to read the entire book of Philippians. Um, it's a great book. Um, as you probably know, Paul wrote a whole series of letters to different churches that he had founded um, in his various missionary journeys, and at different times, he would write them a letter, and it, those got saved and preserved in our Bible, and the book of Philippians is not all that different than the other ones, you know, Romans and Corinthians, two of them there, they had a lot of problems, um, Galatians, Ephesians, and all of that, but Philippians, the church at Philippi, is a little bit different than the others. It has a lot of the same stuff, it has teaching about Jesus. It has teachings about us and our relationship with God. Um, towards the end of the book, Paul usually got around to talking about the types of things we should be doing, the ways we should interact with each other. Some very, very important stuff in the epistles. Makes up a lot of our current theology and doctrine and all that kind of stuff. And Philippians has all that. It has some really, really cool stuff. Um, but if you just read the first chapter of Philippians, and then you skip over to chapter two and read the second half of that, and then you go to chapter 4 and read the second half of that chapter. It doesn't read so much like what we think of as an epistle. It reads more like a missionary newsletter. Here's a guy in a different place writing back to a church that has sent him money and saying thank you. And also letting them know what's going on. And then he also, as missionaries often do, he asks for money. <laughs> it's an amazing thing. And... Uh, I want to read just a little bit from the beginning of the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you 
always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. These people were partners in the gospel with the apostle Paul. How amazing is that? And if you think about the time and the place, the majority of the people that Paul was writing this letter to at Philippi had probably never gone more than 20 or 30 miles away from their hometown of Philippi. Some of them had, they were, there were a lot of soldiers in that town in and out and so forth, so some people had traveled, but most of them had never left the town. And yet Paul is saying, you guys, as, as I'm going out traveling around the known world, planting churches, preaching the gospel, you guys are partners in what God is doing. And I do want to emphasize this morning that you have a calling right here in El Dorado Springs and the surrounding area. I know this because you are a Christian and you are here. God has called you to serve in this church. He has a ministry that he wants you to do. He wants you to to reach out to other people in this congregation and encourage them and build them up in their faith. That is clear from Scripture. God has called you to this community. If you have a job, that is your place to minister. It's not all about the paycheck. It's about you serving Jesus Christ in that place and being a Christian influence in your world. If you're younger and you go to school, That is a group of people built into your life who God wants you to influence. If you have a family, and I hope most of you do, that's the place where the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to shine the brightest in your life. You have a calling. But most of us end up a lot like the church at Antioch that's mentioned in the book of Acts. The church at Antioch was a a growing, thriving church. Things were going on there. God was moving. And then the Holy Spirit told these people, I have set aside Barnabas and Saul, who later became Paul and wrote the book of Philippians. I've set apart these two guys, specifically, to go out and do work in other places. But God did not send out the entire church at Antioch. He called out a few people to go. They, each of them grabbed another person and they took off. They went. But the majority of the church at Antioch stayed at Antioch and continued to minister in that town and in their jobs and in their places of influence. But God's kingdom is a lot bigger than Cedar County. How many of you have ever had an opportunity to translate the Bible in an indigenous language in Papua New Guinea? Just it, has it come up yet? <laughs> Doesn't usually. But some of you guys have partnered with us. As, as Christy and I, as, as we've been over there, and as we've done translation work, and as, as I've helped other translation teams do their work and get ahead in the translation process. And so in that sense, you have been involved in Bible translation in Papua New Guinea. Um, have, you, have you been involved in reaching out to unsaved people in Bolivia and Nigeria, the Caribbean and Ghana and Albania? And, and I could go on and on with the list of places where the Church of God Holiness has been involved in missions. 
as you have been involved in praying and giving and sending and in encouraging missionaries who God has called to those places, you have a ministry there. I've had a ministry in Sri Lanka. Never been there. A really, really troubled part of the world, but I know a Papua New Guinean missionary who served there for a number of years, and I was able to support him while he was there. And in that sense, I have had a ministry in Sri Lanka. Jesus says that whoever welcomes a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And what Paul is doing here in this letter to the church at Philippi is he's applying that principle to that church, but it applies just as much to the Eldorado Springs Church of God. So I would encourage you, extend your ministry somewhere you can't go. By all means, be involved here. Be a vital and influential part of this church and of this community and of what God is calling you to in your life. But also extend your ministry to another part of the world where you cannot go. Partner with the people who God has sent there. This, this morning's service is not just about Christy and I. I don't want you to get the impression that it's, it's the Doyle's ministry in Papua New Guinea. That's not how this works. It's the church's ministry. And, and we need you to partner. And other missionaries who I know you guys are supporting need you to partner with them to be a part of what God is doing in other parts of the world. And, and, and I'll go through the list again of how you do that. You pray, you give, you communicate, you give missionaries a sense of home within the family of God. You realize that when missionaries go overseas, they kind of give up a concept of home? You probably have a place where you've lived for several years. I don't. <laughs> And, and no missionary does. Like, we move overseas, we go over there, and we never quite fit in. You know, I'm never going to be a Papua New Guinean. I can speak Tok Pisin with the best of them. I just don't fit in. I look a little different. My culture's different. Then I come home, and things have shifted here. You know, my dad has Alzheimer's now. He doesn't even live in the house that I grew up in. Um, you know, one of my sisters has died in this last term over there. Um, so our family is just not the same. The dynamic is totally different when we come home. So I would encourage you, as you meet missionaries, be friendly with them. Give them a home within the family of God. And you guys do a great job of that. I want to encourage you, keep doing that. But if every Christian would pick at least one place, one mission field, one missionary, one place to be passionate about, to be involved in, to invest their lives in, then there would be no lack in missions anywhere around the world. And, and I honestly believe that more people would be hearing God's call to go as well. This year has been a messed up year. You know that. It's been a very difficult year for the church around the world. Um, a lot of pastors have, have died in different parts of the world, and, and there have been so many disruptions to even being able to meet together. Um, it's been a very difficult year for the church financially. Um, I don't know particularly about this local congregation, but I'm talking on a, on a big scale. It's been very difficult, um, and that's even more so for missions. Um, in the world of missions, it really relies on people going from one country to another, <laughs> and that is very, very hard to do uh, this, this year. Um, and, and all over the world, business and travel and churches and, and all that kind of stuff has been so restricted and so messed up that it's been a tough year for missions. And I know you guys have felt it here to some extent. I mean, there's people who on a normal year you would expect to be here this morning, and they're just not. There are people who have attended here regularly for, for a period of time and who were growing in their faith and, and be, becoming closer with Jesus, and this year they've gotten out of the habit of going to church. 
And you, know, you hope that they're online. Some people are. We appreciate those guys. But um, there's some people who haven't been. Um, you know them. I know them. People who've just sort of given up. It's tough. But this isn't the first or the worst trial that the church of God has faced in the history of the world. And God is still God. God is still doing amazing, amazing things. I want to tell you about these guys, Rob and Betsy Bradshaw. Um, If you know them, it just means it's a really small world. You probably don't. Um, They both went to Papua New Guinea separately as single people a very long time ago. And they met in Papua New Guinea. They fell in love. They got married. They raised three kids. And their youngest boy is graduating from college this year, if all goes according to plan. So it's been quite a while. Um, And when Rob first got to Papua New Guinea, even as a single guy, he went to the Fuyug people in Central Province. Now, Central Province in Papua New Guinea is in the south of the country. They name their uh, provinces very creatively. And, uh, (laughs) but but up in the north part of the province is just mountains. It's it's way out in the bush. There are no roads. And so that's where he went. And then he got married and and kids, and they, they had a house out in the village and all of that. And he learned the language, he was writing grammar papers, he was uh, getting translation going, and then they started having problems in the area, some major, major problems. There got to be violence and unrest and crime, and that kind of stuff happens in the cities in Papua New Guinea, it's super common, but out in the villages, it's, it's almost unheard of. I mean, that's not the kind of thing that Papua New Guinean villages are known for. And it got so bad that finally, the, some of the criminal element in that place destroyed the Bradshaw's house. And so our organization, SILPNG, said, that's it, we're closing down the program, you guys cannot go back there, that translation program is done. And that was a crushing time in the Bradshaw's life. I mean, here was the ultimate failure. They'd invested so much in these people, and now there's nothing. And and even today, there's no translation in the Fuyug language, no one's working on it. It's one of those languages on the list that have things improved enough to send someone else there? Well, we just don't know. Um, so they still don't have the Bible there. A very, very tough situation, but Rob is a pretty hard-headed guy. And so when the neighboring language group, the Dormukoki people, said, uh, yeah, those Fuyu guys, they're terrible. Don't worry about them. Come over here, and we really want the Bible in our language. And, and we in the church will get behind this, and we'll make it happen. Well, they kind of did, and things sort of progressed, and Rob went over there, but still a lot of the same problems, a lot of the same social issues. Um, they had so much going on, I, I won't go into all of it, but just, you know, translators would start, and then things would happen, and people would quit, and the churches kind of fell away a bit, and it's just so many difficulties. Um, but also, Rob would have to travel out there on a regular basis, and every time he went to the village, he would get sick. He would get very, very sick, and it's every single time. This is not just once or twice or a few times over the years, but every single time, and yet he continued to go out there time after time. Uh, They tried all kinds of things with water and food and whatever to keep him from doing that, but he just gets sick every single time he goes out there. Um, I've met with him in his home shortly after he got back, and the man was so sick he could barely sit upright, Um, and yet he continued to go out there and help these people get Bible translation done. Um, In addition to that, Kind of the biggest issue from an organizational and a management standpoint as we were looking at the Dormukoki program was a lot of the people were moving out of their mountain homelands down to the capital city. And when I say a lot of people, I mean about half of the language group at this point has moved to the capital city. And when they move into urban settings, people typically lose their language and culture and all of that. And so a number of times the question has been asked, should we even continue 
with this program, given how much of a struggle it is? Is it worth the investment? But always it came back, yeah, there's enough people living out there who do not have access to the Bible in any other language. They need a translation. And so Rob carried on. And and then finally, in 2018, in September, we got to celebrate the dedication of the Dormukoki New Testament. And it was an awesome time. We had this gathering in Port Moresby. And that was another cool thing. These people who were displaced all got together. And for the last couple of years, they began... um, uh, kind of reacquainting themselves with their culture, training their young people in their traditional dances and their way of doing things and um, just sort of a revival of interest in their culture in the city. And we had a couple of days of just major, major celebration. But it wasn't just about those couple of days. You see, Rob, after the dedication, he well, actually before the dedication, he got accepted to a PhD program in Australia and he moved down there. And he has been planning to go back to the Dormukoki area, but he hasn't been able to. Um, COVID's <laughs> huge problems there. He's, he's stuck in Australia. He can't get back to Papua New Guinea. And yet these guys, these very people who we were so afraid were losing their language and culture and all that, they have taken this Bible now that's in their language. And as they go back for holidays and as they go back to visit their home villages, they are taking these Bibles out and they are doing the distribution of the Word of God to these people up in the mountains who need God's word. And so they are getting access to the scriptures in their language for the very, very first time. It's amazing what God can do. Despite failures, despite serious illness, despite just obstacles that are unthinkable, God is accomplishing what he wants to do. I want to encourage you with that this morning. And you may think, well, I'm not... I'm not really a missionary type. I, I can't go over to the other side of the world and, and do these cool things that you guys get to do. And I want to tell you, they may seem a little cool when we show the pictures, but these are heavily edited, guys. This is not every day of life. There's a lot of what we do that is pretty mundane and boring and just plain hard work. But if God is calling you to go somewhere and do something, do it. Just do it. Our biggest need in missions right now is actually managers. Like people who can handle logistics and people and finances. Uh, it's not the, the, the glamorous, you know, going out and, and breaking new ground and doing awesome things. And yes, we still need teachers and, and, and Bible trainers and, and pastors and evangelists and church planners. We need all of that. We need more Bible translators than ever before. But a lot of what we need are, are people to fly airplanes and, and mechanics and, and carpenters and people to do all these kinds of normal work, uh, doctors, nurses, um, accountants. Uh, accounting is a huge need that we have in missions right now. Um, there's so many jobs like that that are out there. So if God's given you a gift and you feel God putting a calling on your heart, get involved, get going. Uh, it's going to take some prep, it's going to take some time, but, but make it happen. Missions is, is not something you have to be overqualified for. It's not something that fits some certain stereotype. Um, listen to God's call. Let's get back to Philippians here. Um, as, as Paul was writing this letter to the church, um, you know, he starts out, he's talking about, you know, the, how wonderful they are as partners in the gospel. Um, and he's, he's faced with a pretty delicate task that missionaries often are faced with. And that is saying thank you to people who've made it possible for them to do what God's called them to do, um, while at the same time asking for more money, because <laughs> that's where Paul found himself. Uh, here he was, stuck in Rome. He was doing God's work, and these people had helped him. 
Um, a lot during the past. He, he obviously said from the first day up through now, you guys have been there for me. Um, but then in chapter 4, he does a really cool, and, and I like the way Paul does that, as he's, he's talking about money. He first starts out talking, he says thank you, and then he starts out talking about contentment and how God has enabled him to live with nothing and, and live when he had plenty and really strong implication there right now. It's kind of towards the nothing side of things. Um, and then when he gets down into verse 17, Paul sums it up beautifully. He said, it's not because I desire a gift. Okay? Paul didn't go into missions for the money. Um, if you're going to go into missions, don't do it for the money. There's just no money in it, guys. It's, not a, it's a non-profit career. Um, he says, it's, it's not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Fruit that may abound, not, not to Paul's own account, but to your account. These people got credit in their heavenly account when Paul was doing things in other places. Their ministry was reaching out to other parts of the world, and God gave them credit for it. And this morning, we're extending to you an opportunity to partner in the work of Bible translation in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, you probably won't get to go there. You probably won't get to uh, get involved in the cool stuff of linguistics and translation and all that awesome stuff. But people need to be able to hear from God in the language they know best. They really do. The, the Word of God has to speak to the heart in order to be effective. And it's very difficult when there's a language barrier for that to happen. When people are hearing God's word in a second or even a third language, it's very, very difficult for them to apply that to their lives, to their hearts, to the things that are going on with them. And Papua New Guinea is a special challenge. There are currently listed 841 living languages in Papua New Guinea. Uh, That's an insane number, guys. It's, it's, It's the country with the most languages in the world. And when you think of it, a lot of those languages have multiple dialects. The language we work with, Solos, has two main dialects. And the third one, we won't talk about that. Um, and, and so you start thinking of those numbers and it just gets incomprehensible. How many people need to hear about God but have a language barrier? And the population of Papua New Guinea is only about 8 million people. So it's not a huge country in terms of population. And there, that means there's a lot of really small language groups all over the country. In Solos, there's somewhere between six and 10,000 people that speak that as a primary language. And there are those who want God's word in Solos. And I want to talk to you about one of those guys this morning, Pastor James. He's my best friend in Papua New Guinea. He's a great guy, great man of God. But if you would go back in time to 19, the 1970s, 1980s, James was not a pastor at that period in his life. In fact, he was a miner. He worked in the big Bougainville copper and gold mine that was active at the time. And the mining lifestyle in Papua New Guinea tends to be a very, very rough lifestyle. And James was no exception. He lived the roughest of rough lives. Uh, The stories he tells would curl your hair. Um, Just terrible, terrible stuff that he did. And the miracle, really, of his life at that period was that his wife didn't leave him. Um, She probably should have. He was a terrible man. Um, but God got a hold of his heart, 
and changed him, even while he was in that environment. And um, in 1981, the year I was born, he preached his first sermon. And uh, it, from there, he started preaching more and more, and he felt God leading him to be a pastor. So he quit his job at the mine, a very, very lucrative job. He went to Bible college for a couple of years. He uh, began pastoring in churches, and their denomination tends to move people around every few years. And so he pastored at various places throughout the Bougainville region. And then finally, as he became a senior minister, he decided to move back to his home village of Tung. And his father had been a pastor and had uh, met his mother in the village of Tung when he had been pastoring there for a few years. And so this is uh, Pastor James's home village, where his mother came from. And in that culture, it makes a lot of sense because the land passes down through the women's side of the family. And so in Tung, Pastor James has land to grow his garden, and that's how most people in Papua New Guinea eat. And so he moved back to his home village. And the cool thing about Pastor James is that he loves to preach in solos. And you might think, well, isn't that the most natural thing in the world? I mean, it is literally his mother tongue, and everybody he speaks to knows solos. Why wouldn't he preach in solos? Well, the Bible that people bring to church, the Bible they read every Sunday, is the same Bible you bring to church. They use the English Bible. Yeah, there is a Tokpizen Bible, but it's a slightly different dialect of Tokpizen than they speak out in the islands, and a lot of people don't like it, so they use English. Pretty much nobody understands English. Um, Christy and I have done some informal testing around the village, and aside from four or five people, nobody knows what's being read on Sunday morning. They just don't get it. And so in order for James and the other pastors to preach in solos, they have to go back through the scriptures that are read and translate them on the fly, verse by verse. And if it's a story, they have to retell the entire story in solo so the people have some idea of what the scripture is saying. And then he can finally get to the message God has laid on his heart for the people of the church. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle week after week after week to keep doing this. And so when we showed up in the village of Tung, that's where we lived, and we started talking about Bible translation, Pastor James was the first guy on board, uh, literally. Uh, he, was, he was right there. Uh, we put out applications for Bible translators, and he signed up. Um, even before that, he was one of our language teachers uh, to help Christy and I get the little bit of solace that we know so far. Um, our first workshop, Pastor James was there. He's been to everyone since then. He is really, really excited and passionate about having his people hear from God in their own language. And so when we get back to Papua New Guinea, we aim to spend a lot more of our time and our energy focusing on the Solos program. And, and yes, we still do need administrators. We need people to do that kind of work. And I've turned it over to somebody else. They've asked me again to do it this next year. I've told them I can't. Um, I really, God has laid on my heart to be there with these people. We have, uh, we have five guys and one lady who are translating the Bible into solos, and they, they need help. They really do. And there's a lot of complexities with that. Uh, we need to build a house in the village. Um, Bougainville has declared independence from the rest of Papua New Guinea. So we have no idea what that's going to look like. They did that last December, and then COVID happened, and things have been kind of up in the air as far as what that's going to look like. They have to have negotiations with the national government and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you want something to pray about, please pray for that. But I want you to remember that, that as you guys partner with us, it's not just Larry and Christy out there doing Bible translation. That's not how this works. 
there's, here, here on the screen, we have, we have so Tutu in the yellow shirt, Chris, James, or, I mean, Chris, Chris, and then uh, Goldie's the guy in the blue shirt there. Um, Pastor James was there that day, just not in this picture. Um, and then we have Raphael, and we have a, a lady named Louise Ann. And these are the guys, the Solos people, who are translating the Bible into their own language, who, who you're really partnering with. These are the people that you're enabling by having us there um, so they can get the word into their, into their language. And uh, our, you're not going to get to go over there and meet these guys and hang out with them and help them day to day to get translation done and to check their scriptures and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you can send us. You can be a part of that. And we want to be your hands and your feet on the ground in Papua New Guinea making this happen. And we also want to communicate with you guys um, on both of the uh, offering tables, I guess you're calling them in the back. Uh, we have uh, contact cards. If you guys aren't getting our newsletter, pick one of those up and fill it out. And we have pens on our table, so our table's over there. Um, get one of those, fill it out, and get it back to us today if you can. Um, we'd really appreciate that. We know sometimes when these little forms go home, they never come back. But if you do need to take it home and think about it and pray about it, you know, do that too. Bring it back to the church here. They'll get it to us. Um, but just take a couple of minutes and, and find a table out there and, and write, write your information down. We want to get our newsletter to you so you know what's going on, so you know how to pray for us. Because this is not a humanly possible task. It really isn't. We've seen that time and time again as people have gone through the Bible translation project process. Um, it's not something that can be accomplished in human strength. We need your prayers. So we want you to pray for us. We want you to know what's going on. And um, we also want to pray for you guys. And so if you sign up for our newsletter, particularly if it's email, that's the easiest. We get that over in Papua New Guinea. Um, you, you know, our, our newsletter shows up in your inbox and you're going through a tough time. You can just hit reply and say, hey, this is going on in my life right now. Pray for us. And we are more than happy to do that. We want to do that. We feel that is a very important part of our ministry. Um, just this last week, we had a guy email us um, and said, hey, our son is going through this. Can you please pray for us? And we did. And we continue to do that. So uh, let us know what's going on here. We can pray for you guys, pray for the church here. We want to see God's kingdom moving forward. Um, it does include finances as well. Um, that's on the contact thing as well. Um, we need to know. Some people have very generously given to us but haven't told the World Missions Office that's what they're planning to do. So that doesn't get counted into our budget. I mean, yeah, the money comes in and it comes to us, but it doesn't get counted towards our budget for us getting back to Papua New Guinea. So if you're planning on that, if God lays that on your heart, uh, please do be sure to put that on the form. Um, and uh, like I said, get it back to us today if you can. But I want to say, just like the Apostle Paul, we are so blessed by you guys. Um, as, as Pastor Joe mentioned, I've been in contact with this church for a very long time since you guys hosted me for an internship many years ago. And uh, I feel like this is kind of my third home, if you will, or maybe fourth. I don't know. I don't keep track of them. Um, but we've been blessed by you guys and your partnership in the gospel all these years. And we do really want your account to be credited with what God is doing around the world. Pastor. Thank you, Larry. Here's the closing challenge. Um, I want us to partner with them. And um, we're not going to be receiving an offering. We haven't done that for 10 months now, but the offering box is there. 
are there and, and you also have the envelopes, make sure that you designate this for the Doyles and just make the check out to the, uh, to the church. If you give cash today, that will also be credited to, to their account. Those of you that are watching online, thanks for tuning in. You also can give uh, mobily. You can give text to give. Um, that option is there. If you just go to on, on your phones to the to the website, you will have that option to give to the Doyles. And um, you know, as I said, it's a challenge right now just to host this service. It, it's a challenge because um, a lot of people they're struggling. But I would just ask you to. Um, do what God asks you to do. That, that's it. No more, no less. Whatever God calls you to, uh, to give. And so I want to pray. I want to pray that uh, maybe the Lord would just direct you uh, on what uh, you should give. And, um, and then I want to have an opportunity for you to visit with them out in the foyer after the prayer. So would you just uh, bow your heads, please? Lord, we... We thank you for the fact that you've called uh, the Doyles to this uh, ministry that, God, we know it's not all uh, just uh, glamorous. Um, It's not so cool living in a house with a thatched roof. It's not so cool having critters in your house. Uh, That's not glamorous. And, and, Father, there are so many things like that that we don't, we are not aware of. And, and Lord, we thank you for their sacrifice. And so, um, Lord, this is the least that we can do. And so I pray that you would give us a spirit of generosity, help us to give uh, what we should. We know times are tough, but um, you are a God that provides. And so let us just do what you want us to do. And, uh, Father, I pray that here in the next few weeks they could uh, finish up their fundraising and be able to, uh, to go back to this country that you call them to. So, God, I pray a hedge of protection around us. Keep us safe. Keep us focused on you. And uh, God will thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank you for coming. Uh, if you want to just meet them at the resource table and... Uh, Uh, they'll be able to answer any questions that you have. Thanks for being here. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.